This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. This past week? Yeah. Hmm. Still getting on that married train. Still on that getting married train, but it doesn't stop. It Got just, it. as I recall, just keeps going faster and faster and faster it as does. you approach the station. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny that way, right? There's a, there's a period of the time, period of the time, the period of the trip where it felt a little slower, and uh, we rounded the bend, and now it's like, yo, buckle up. Hey, who's ready to get married? I hope it's you. I hope it's you. <laughs> you can't get any of the deposits back anymore. And a bunch of people have spent money on arriving at this thing you said was going to happen. Yep. Better hope it doesn't suck. Yep. Because let's face it, we've all judged weddings. We all oh, have. Oh, of course. That's like what all anybody is doing from the moment that they walk in. Like either they're judging it just to judge it or they're judging it so they can steal your ideas and use them for their wedding hello welcome to my uh, wedding i've given you the gift of judging my wedding yes for your wedding Mm -hmm. or compared to your wedding which you thought was great but probably wasn't because everyone judged it welcome to marriage bros uh your favorite marriage prep podcast my name is andrew (laughs) my name is craig and welcome to overdue it's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew (laughs) (laughs) we are in some sort of palindrome we can't we're caught in a loop i need the kick (laughs) get me out of here (laughs) joseph gordon levitt save us (laughs) i need jgl up in this john so every week when we're not talking about our well craig's wedding not really our wedding (laughs) we could be we yeah andrew do you have something to say to me no uh every week when we're (laughs) when we're not planning a wedding we are reading a book um one of us reads the book and then explains it to the other one and many laughs ensue probably they already have most of the time yeah so craig you read this week a book what was it I read Peter Pan by J.M. Barry, formerly Peter and Wendy, formerly a play Peter Pan or the boy who wouldn't grow up. Yes, it's a very it's a very convoluted history of I ha- I have it written down. Um, it was a play in 1904, a novel in 1911, and those both had the name Peter Pan or the boy who wouldn't grow up. Uh-huh. Um, Peter Pan and Wendy was originally the name of the abridged version that sure. Barry approved. Um, it was published in 1915. And then, yeah, it's just kind of gone from there. Well, and after Peter Pan appeared in a novel called The Little White Bird, published in 1902, that's mm-hmm. where he actually came from. Yeah, it was it was this book that had a lot of non-Peter Pan stuff in it, and it was definitely a book for adults and not children. But the uh, Peter Pan bits of that book were later, uh, you know, taken out and republished as Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, which is like so a- apparently if you're an old timey writer, you just keep you write some words and then you just keep shuffling them around for the rest of your life and <laughs> republishing them 
in as many different forms as you can as you can figure out. Well, and to me, I like I look at this and I go, okay, great. What's the Peter Pan canon? Like, how does this all fit together? In the one book, he's seven days old and was in a garden playing with fairies. And in another book, he's got baby teeth, but he's twelve years old and he can fly through the sky. And I, I think realize Captain Hook has cannons. What? I think Captain Hook has cannons. I bet it on like mm, his pirate boat. Yeah, I bet he does. So that's probably like the if you're thinking about the Peter Pan cannon, that's probably what you're thinking about. That time that he shot a cannon at Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. That's or sweet. the other way around. I don't know. Well, he probably yeah. Same cannon either way. I mean, I've read Peter Pan. I feel like Peter Pan would get the one up on Captain Hook. I know him. He's a clever boy. Mm-hmm. He would take over Captain Hook's cannon and shoot it at Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he would stand on top of the cannon and go, I am so clever. I am Peter Pan. And then he would fly away. Boy, he sounds like a fun kid. Yeah, he's a little cocky. <laughs> All right. So before we start talking about this brat Peter Pan, what do you know about J.M. Barry? What can you tell me about him? I can tell you that. I can he's... tell you he's a little five foot tall mustache man. He is short. Yeah. He's like the ninth of shrimpy, ten kids, sh- right? Shrimpy little mustache boy. Um, yeah, he's... <laughs> He came out wearing a mustache. Yeah, uh, he yeah he was from a big family, and um, his brother David, who was his mom's favorite, I guess you just you can just like be open with that. I feel like if you've got in ten of times, them, if you've got ten of them, you cannot be sparing people's feelings. There is not enough time. I'm That's not fair. saying that you like let the kids you don't like not get food. I'm just saying like. It's way easier to pretend that three kids are all your favorites than it is ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just think if once you get past six, one of them's going to just kind of be a jerk. Yeah. I mean, statistically, you're going to have a couple jerks in there. <laughs> a couple duds. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when, when Barry, his name is James Matthew Barry. That's what JM stands for. Sure. Um, when he was six, his older brother David died. Um, David was 13, and his mom took it poorly, as you might infer mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the fact that he was her favorite. <laughs> and um, she apparently took some comfort in the knowledge that he would never grow up and never leave her. Yes, he would be a boy forever. Yeah, and so I I wonder like if if people are starting at Peter Pan and then like working backward to stuff like that for Barry's like biography, or if it or if that really is like legit some of the inspiration for Peter Pan in the first place. And we yeah. can I know more about like the real quote unquote Peter Pan and and the the boys who inspired this book. We can talk about them in a bit, but. I think this is one of the earliest examples that we get of what, like a seed that would later become Peter Pan. Yeah, and there's also, I read that his mom, when she was eight, her mother passed away, and she started taking on the role of mother as, like, that young for her younger siblings, Mm -hmm. and that is a through line for Wendy, who is the girl that Peter Pan hangs out with in this novel, so I, I think the idea that Barry is like weaving his own family into this book is not far fetched at sure, all. Yeah. I don't think it is as imaginative as Neverland. <laughs> so yeah, his his brother David was like partial inspiration for Peter Pan, and then more directly, you have these Lou and Davies boys who, um, like Barry, was close with with a couple of the boys, and then their parents died. 
and then he like adopted them. Yeah, he'd been hanging out with them, weird. like making weird faces and telling Peter Pan stories. And it seems for a couple like a, years. Yeah, and so so he like based on his these boys, he comes up with this like baby. There, there's a proto Peter Pan story about a baby who has like magic adventures, and then. <laughs> Baby's Day Out, yeah, and then, yeah. Baby's Day Out, the original novel, and then uh, Peter Pan and Neverland kind of spring out of that naturally. And yeah, Barry became their guard. He didn't like formally adopt them, I don't think, but he became their guardian after their parents passed away. The dad went in 1907, and then the um, mother passed away in 1910. And um, Peter Lewin Davies was the like the namesake for Peter Pan, and he didn't love that like it okay there is speculation that it drove it and some other stuff related to like barry's estate drove him to drink and then eventually suicide in 1960 yowza and then a couple of the other boys one died in world war one and then the other one died um while swimming at school Mm. and then there were two others who i assume died of natural causes because i'm looking at their uh looking at looking at their born and died dates and they look like normal human lifespans reasonable so. life non-tragic lifespans yeah ish uh and so this has been dramatized a couple of times i think there was like a mini series called the lost boys about about this whole relationship and finding neverland which was like a movie several years ago which is now a musical on broadway i think mm-hmm is all about this and it's again like what you were asking about uh whether or not his brother counts as a prototype for peter pan or not or an inspiration like it doesn't seem like barry was as he was wont to borrow from his own material for future books he (laughs) seems like totally game to weave in some of these other inspirations um, and just like tell stories all the time. So to the point where like that's just your life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there was there's some question as to the nature of his relationship with these these yeah, boys. Yeah. Um, I don't think generally he's I think he's usually exonerated by everybody who can give a firsthand account of the thing. Uh, so Nico or Nicholas uh, Lewin Davies gave a interview in uh, 1978. Um, he says, I don't believe that Uncle Jim ever experienced what one might call a stirring in the undergrowth for anyone, man, oh. woman, or child. Uh, he was an innocent, which is why he could write Peter Pan. So kind of an argument in favor of asexuality over Interesting. over any sort of like okay. unfortunate relationship with a young boy. Yeah, sure. I, it's just interesting also that he kind of he can't, he was a Scottish writer. He uh, had a lot of folks of that era who vouched for him like at one point he wrote a play and asked sir arthur conan doyle to help him rewrite it mm-hmm. like that just okay that's just who you are that's what's going like on cool like fan fiction <laughs> some good slash fiction oh no but we just talked about he didn't have any stirrings in the sorry sorry he had no stirrings no stirrings that would be bad slash fiction because it does not observe the official life canon of jm barry <laughs> Uh, I did find it's like a random thing that he wrote a parody of Ibsen's Ghosts, which is like a classic real, you know, realist drama of the age. Huh. I just appreciate that at the time, 
people were like putting up plays mocking other people's plays. It's not <laughs> it's not a thing you think about. And it's certainly like I don't when I watch movies like Meet the Spartans, I don't think, oh, there's historical precedent for this. I think this is just garbage. Do you but, think that's just like the early twentieth century version of the diss track? Like before we invented real oh, diss tracks snap. is you yes. would just make a play making fun of someone else's play. That's genius. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, and yeah, the so I think the last thing to say about Peter Pan, sure, as it relates to Barry, is that Barry, when he died, gave the rights to Peter Pan oh, yeah. to the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in London, uh, which still has the rights and continues to profit off of the work. So when when you bought this book, you were giving money to a children's hospital. So congratulations. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was in a children's hospital as a kid, so, like, good on him. Yeah. And Barry wrote a bunch of other stuff. Like, he wrote some, like, his first novels were about, like, a slightly fictionalized, I think, version of the Scottish village that his mother grew up in, like, based on stories that she had told him. Yeah, some publisher and, uh, was like, yeah, I like the Scotch part of it. I like the yeah. Scotch element. Keep Even though, mo- like, modern critics do not really love <laughs> this stuff. They think it's kind of sappy and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, which uh-huh. I like. And he wrote some other stuff after Peter Pan, but Peter Pan very much has eaten the rest of his legacy, and it's just kind of what he's known for now. And like, okay, so as we transition in the novel, Andrew, what is your, do you have a history with Peter Pan at all? Do you have like a relationship to this story or character? Because I feel like I should have more of one, and I don't. I okay, think it's I just watched, the movie Hook. I watched the Disney movie. okay. And then Susanna says that she likes the movie Hook, but I've never seen it. What? Can we just cancel this episode and do an episode on the movie Hook? And just go watch the movie Hook? I mean, well, maybe for a bonus episode, we watch the movie Hook and talk okay. about it. Okay. We can kind of play with the format a little bit. But yeah, that's that's my experience with it. I haven't read anything, but I've seen the Disney movie, and I know of Hook. <laughs> just like as a thing that exists. <laughs> okay. I don't know when the last time I saw that Disney movie was. And I've oh, it's never been years and years and years for me. And I've never seen the stage play in person. I've seen plenty of YouTube videos of like flying rigs gone wrong. So like the big event in the story of Peter Pan is when all the kids fly for the first time, right? You want to fall down a rabbit hole of high school and amateur theatrical productions, oh, you boy. go search for like bad rigging of kids flying around the stage and like into walls and in and out of their beds. And it's like exclusively Peter Pan related mishaps, yep. right? Oh, okay. you just search <laughs> you just search for Peter Pan, you'll find like ten or twenty of them. It's I'm gonna go I'm right now I'm gonna Google Peter Peter Pan Peter Pan kid mishaps. <laughs> okay. All right, there there is a YouTube video called Peter Pan Mishaps. Uh, another one is called Peter Pan Predicament. Uh-oh. Uh, Greenport Peter Pan Fiasco. <laughs> so these all sound pretty good. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah minimize that tab for later. Uh-huh. Once that one's for later. <laughs> so I guess what I, I, I asked that question because my sense of what Peter Pan is, like a lot of these classics that we come back to, I guess I didn't really know what was up. How about that? Mm-hmm. Like, 
So you spend some time, you meet the Darling family. Like that's that's the opening of the book. And that's like Wendy and all her brothers and whatever. That's their yeah. jams. They're the Wendy Darling family. Wendy and John and Michael, Mr. and Mrs. Darling. And they're, they have a maid whose name I don't Clarissa. remember. Is that her name? No. Just remember, like, Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All, her last name was Darling. Oh, so she's their maid, I think. And then Sam comes in through the window, and there's an alligator. And then, like, Ferguson is there, but he gets left in Neverland. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of the Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. He is. Uh, They do have a dog, except the dog is their nanny, and the dog's name is Nana. Wait, what? The dog, like, the parents... Let a dog take care of their kid. I am literally going to read you the introduction um, of the dog as they were poor. As opposed to figuratively reading it to me. Yeah, of course. I'm literally going to read it to you. Mm. Uh, As they were poor, owing to the amount of milk the children drank, this... (laughs) They're poor exclusively because his kids love milk. All right, keep going. This nurse was a prim Newfoundland dog called Nana who had belonged to no one in particular until the Darlings engaged her. Huh. And then they talk about how not a lot of the other nurses in town liked Nana. Probably because she was a dog. Probably because she's a dog. And they kind of resent being compared to a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I could see why they would resent that. And and later, when Wendy is like telling her parents about the idea of Peter Pan who they've like been playing with in their imagination and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Mr. Darling says, uh, mark my words, it is some nonsense Nana has been putting into their heads. Just the sort of idea a dog would have. These, Leave it alone oh, and no. it'll blow over. These people are delusional. Yeah, this... they have a dog nurse because <laughs> they're poor from drinking too much milk. And then they start to like, attribute stuff to the dog nurse. It's really unclear whether or not the dog actually cares for the children and thinks like a person. Or if there's a lot of fanciful narration going on. Is this a Beauty and the Beast situation where the dog is actually a human who got turned into a dog? It is v- distinctly possible. Okay. <laughs> okay. So... We're going to get to Peter Pan, and I, I I don't need to do a full plot synopsis. They go to Neverland. They meet the Lost Boys. They meet a bunch of other stuff. There's some- Yeah, just like what's the shape of the story, especially compared to the movie? Is it just a bunch of a bunch of little anecdotes and stories and stuff that happens, or is there an arc that is – because my memory of the movie um, is just that they go to Neverland, they have some good times, and then eventually the – you know, the people from the real world realize that you can't just not grow up and mm-hmm. you have to go home. Yeah, that's basically it. They go to Neverland. There's actually a part in the book where the narrator of the book, which in my head is five foot tall J.M. Barry, mm-hmm. uh, is talking to me and says, like, which there's a whole bunch of adventures I could tell you about. There's this thing that happened. There's this thing that happened. There's this thing that happened. Let's pick this one. And then so then you hear the story about the mermaids and... Peter Pan almost dying and he saved Tiger Lily and that's all good. And then Wendy tells a story about her parents, which we're going to talk about again in a second. And Peter Pan sulks through the whole story and went and Wendy's like, maybe we should just leave. 
maybe we should just go maybe home. He's, he's kind of a jerk. Like, why do we go home with this guy? I don't know why we went to this island with this weird boy. Let's go home while he's in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, all right, fine. Just get out of here, I guess. It's cool. Yeah, no, I'm going to sit here and be a boy forever. You guys do whatever you want. I've got all my first teeth. Don't worry about it. Um, and then there's like one more adventure with Hook and Captain Hook, that is. Captain I the figured. Boys. Oh, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> Captain James Hook, if you will. <laughs> uh, and then they go home. And uh, then there's like an epilogue. But that's the arc, right? They meet the boy who wouldn't grow up. They go to the land of the boys and, and the then pirates. Like, You're kind of a jerk. Like, we're going to go home. And you and, should really think about growing up while we're gone also. And then they still kind of pine for him. And then it's over. Um, I mean, there's something conceptually tempting about not having to grow up yeah it's like in practice you're just a sucky kid forever yeah and you can never like eat cereal for dinner i i think i did that the other day yeah right see i can do that (laughs) because i'm an adult oh okay if i was a kid i'd have to like my parents would be making me eat peas or whatever parents make you eat i don't know and i'd be a kid and i wouldn't know that brussels sprouts are good yet and they'd be like eat these brussels sprouts be like gross give me hot dogs i'm a kid oh my god (laughs) is that not always hot dogs hot dogs and chicken nuggets (laughs) and rectangle pizza that's all i eat but don't put ketchup on it that's gross i'm a kid that's weird Mm -hmm. unless you're just giving me ketchup to eat which is a real thing that my that my (laughs) friend's little brother used to do Oh no! Just oh, let no. me eat this I ketchup. Knew, knew somebody who ate, who would put, who would take like okay, like a little white bread sandwich bun, like for a hamburger, uh huh, and then a piece of American cheese, and then you squirt ketchup on it, and that's the sandwich. Oh, yo, <laughs> you could put pickles on it if you had them. If you if you wanted to get that's fancy the, with, the, with a twist, yeah. If you <laughs> put pickles on it, no, thank you. No. Yeah. Oh. It's a treat. It's an everyday treat. It's that's good, like a good sandwich. That's like when my mom told me that when she was growing up, sometimes they would, for dessert, have bread and butter and sugar on it. Ew. Yeah. What's my the gra- deal, mom? What my are you gra- doing? My grandmother was a little stingy, I think. Have they not invented Little Debbie's yet? Like, what, is, what are you doing putting and sugar on bread? I think this is the reason why my mom has pledged to give my potential children chocolate sandwiches when she gets to play grandma. Wait, what is a chocolate sandwich? I think you just put, you take two pieces of bread, you just put chocolate in the middle and go to you town. You just melt a Hershey bar in there. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, or you get, like, chocolate singles. Like craft chocolate singles. Ew. If I'm ever watching your kids, they're definitely getting sugar bread. Like Ugh, that's not even No. No thanks. Let's talk about Peter Pan, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about never growing up. So that was that was the arc of Peter Pan. Great, I summed it all up. Um it opens <laughs> Good job. Okay, bye everybody. It opens with a trope that I'm familiar with, which is grown ups being dumb. And particularly Mr. Darling being a jerk. So is he is he being dumb or is he just kind of being oblivious from the kids point of view? Because that's that's the kind of dumb that grownups often are in these books that are told from the perspective of a kid. Well, they look. No, it's that they the parents can be foolish too. angle is part of it. Uh, So first he comes off as kind of a jerk where they have Wendy, 
as like as a little baby and they're wondering whether or not they can have more whether or not they can keep her and mr darling goes into full-on accountant mode i'm just gonna read you this like scrawl that he gives to his wife which is really not cool even by 1904 standards i think all right great now don't interrupt he would beg of her I have one pound 17 here and two and six at the office. I can cut off my coffee at the office, say 10 shillings, making two nine and six. With your 18 and three makes three nine seven. With five not not in my checkbook makes eight nine seven. Who is that moving? Eight nine seven dot and carry seven. Don't speak my own and the pound you lent to that man who came to the door. Quiet child dot and carry child. There you've done it. Did I say nine and seven? Yes, I said nine and seven. The question is, can we try it for a year on nine and seven? And then he goes on a whole rant about mumps and how much mumps cost. Like <laughs> this guy, I don't know if I want. So we're him to spending be my all dad. our money on milk and mumps, milk and mumps <laughs> every time. It's milk and mumps, driving me crazy. Can't have another kid if all they're gonna do is just be a pile of milk and mumps. All they're gonna do is get the mumps and drink milk about it. It's oh god. So, <laughs> so he sucks. Okay, yeah, he part. sounds like a fun guy. And then we get a little a little window into Mrs. Darling, who loves her kids. She's a good mom. And we learn, this is an actual sentence in the book. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Darling first heard of Peter when she was tidying up her children's minds. Brainwashing them? Like, what does that mean? It is the nightly custom of every good mother after her children are asleep to rummage in their minds and put things straight for next morning, repacking into their proper places the many articles that have wandered during the day. What? If you could keep awake, you would see your own mother doing this, and you would find it very interesting to watch her. How does it describe how she does it? It is quite like tidying up drawers. You would okay. see her on her knees, I expect, lingering humorously over some of your contents, wondering where on earth you had picked this thing up. Do you remember those episodes of Star Trek Next Generation when like Jordy would do stuff to Data and he would just like lift up a panel on like his head and there'd be like little blinky robot lights up uh-huh. there? Uh-huh. That's what I imagine like you're just you're going through their RAM and like Mm-hmm. And making sure that their hard drives are defragged. Or yeah. <laughs> well, and this for me like set a tone of the book where the style I used the word before fanciful, like it's it's not literal and it embraces it. It's clearly for children, even though it's very British Scottish and kind of formal, um, mm-hmm. the rules of the world are a little loose. Like, even before Peter Pan shows up and, like, loses his shadow and Wendy has to sew it back on his body like a horror story. (laughs) Which totally happens. Okay. Uh, One final terrible thing that Mr. Darling did. He gets, he wants his son to take his dang medicine. Okay? Does he say dang? No. Okay. But his son... Uh, Michael, I believe. Um, oh no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's Michael. He counters back. Well, Father, you should take your medicine also, because uh, he's using that as reasoning why it's not so bad to take your medicine. Mm-hmm. And now Mister Darling hates his medicine, so he plays a trick. And when they're supposed to take it at the same time, he hides his, making his son take it, which is a pretty good goof. Like I mm-hmm. get it, right? Sure. Then he goes, well, um. I just thought of a great joke. 
I'll pour my medicine into Nana's bowl and she'll drink it thinking it's milk. What? You're going to kill your nanny dog. So then he makes his nanny dog drink his medicine. Oh, no. And then he just stroke. Yeah, I, the dog is fine. Except Why does Mr. Darling have to take medicine? Is that explored at all? Not really. Because he's an adult. I think that like so adults, he just needs medicine. It's basically a multivitamin. It's just like a antacid. Yeah, it's tums for your dog. Not Ugh. really. Uh, so later, what happens is this antagonism between Mister Darling and the dog results in him tying up Mister Darling, uh, <laughs> tying up his dog, tying up the dog out in the yard. And while the dog is out in the yard, Peter Pan shows up and helps all the kids fly away. And that's how okay. they get to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be noted that J.M. Barry added in the novel the idea that you need fairy dust to be on you to fly. Uh, previously, it was like, if you believe hard enough, you can fly. Like, think good thoughts, right? Uh, enough kids, after seeing the play, like, oh, fell. No. <laughs> and, and their parents wrote complaint letters. So he needed to add the, <laughs> he needed to add a line in the book. Where you need fairy dust on you so that you don't... Disclaimer, like, don't try try to fly, kids. Yeah. Please. It's it's pretty good. Uh, So from there on out, it becomes this adventure book like I alluded to before. It's a little bumpy in structure. The narrator is very, like, sort of a character, though they're never named. They're very aware that they're, like, telling the story to you. They interrupt themselves. They tell half stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to Neverland, and there's this sense. So you've met Tinkerbell by this point. She's a little fairy that calls Peter Pan a silly ass all the time. Oh boy! Yeah, you silly ass. She says multiple times throughout the book. Oh, that's yeah. That's the other thing I know. Like my relationship with Peter Pan is I've seen lots and lots of like sassy Tinkerbell <laughs> merchandise, and I was surprised to find that that was true to the source material. Oh, of course. <laughs> Uh, I did not. I thought Tinkerbell was like uh, classically Disney. I no, guess she she is, if anything, more petulant than Peter Pan is. That's very true. That's very yeah. true. Mm-hmm. So they go to Neverland. You get introduced to all the pirates. You get introduced to all of the Lost Boys. What's the deal with the Lost Boys? So they're. Were they just regular kids who came over and then never went back? Or yeah, and they they hang out with Peter all the time. And when they're when he's not around, they're always thinking, "What would Peter do?" Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense that the book says like the island wakes up when Peter comes back, which implies that Peter's like off flying around, like recruiting more lost boys or whatever he's doing, <laughs> stealing children um, from straight out of their beds when their dogs aren't looking. <laughs> true so he's got this band of lost boys which includes toodles nibs slightly curly and the twins Mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to know the twins names because if if you know their names you might mistake them and describe them wrong so you have to call them the twins okay which is pretty good there's also a bunch of pirates captain james hook mr smee uh gentleman starkey is another one then there are the Native American Indians of okay. like problematic origin. Yeah how how does the book do with that? I wonder. Probably not great. 
Not great. There's two things about this book that I find particularly problematic. And that's aside from Peter Pan kind of Peter Pan kind of being a like a cocky son of a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um one is Tiger Lily and the rest of the Piccaninny tribe. Cool, those are all good words. Yeah, really not great. Um especially when she is like using me Tiger Lily type language and when Peter Pan saves her from a flood or from the pirates or whatever the rest of the indians or the natives the book uses those kind of things interchangeably Mm -hmm. uh they swear their fealty to him as like the white savior shades of robinson crusoe i guess (laughs) yeah i think so and there's there uh, that's in the barry's biography in terms of like reading those stories with his mom so he certainly has precedent for it and it's kind of some of the same like provincial attitudes like the white people will come in and bring civilization to these these savages yeah and there's a lot of weird language so hook launches an attack on this tribe while they are guiding the lost boys uh, guarding the lost boys hideout Mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of language about how hook snuck up on them and did it dishonorably because the way to do it is to have the natives attack the white man first and the white man is just supposed to know that that's how the game is played. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Who are these pirates? Why are they wicked racist? Why is this book wicked racist? Where are all the songs that people love? I think the book's just racist because it's a hundred years old. Yeah. And everybody was more racist a hundred years ago. Well, I mean, most people, some people are still (laughs) equally racist today and you would think that they were different but they're not Mm -hmm. the other problematic thing and this is a recurring theme on this show i guess andrew right is like we we drudge up these classics we try to talk about why people are interested in them and then we just cut them down yeah take them down and down here's what's here's what's super racist about this uh there's also like a weird thing with wendy and the lost boys where they kidnap her effectively and make her their mom and like keep her in their cave basement to be their mom where they all sleep in one big bed together Mm -hmm. and she makes michael sleep in a crib because you have to have a baby and then hook's plan is to steal her from the lost boys so that they can have a mom because the pirates need a mom what is they don't want to grow up but they want a mom yes that's kind of weird i don't know and Peter is like hot and cold about moms because Peter's whole deal. <laughs> hot and cold running moms. <laughs> his whole deal is that when he was seven days old, he heard what was going to happen to him as an adult. And he said, no, thanks. And he flew away to Kensington Gardens. Mm-hmm. And then when he flew back to see his mom, she had had a different kid and she had replaced him. So he said, screw you, moms. I'm out. I'm going to live in Neverland. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the the thing that I find particularly weird about their relationship is that they're talking about the boys, and Peter can't really tell what is real and what is make-believe. Because he's a little boy. Because he's a little boy who's particularly gifted at make-believe. So, like... He's the same kind of kid who would try and jump out his window to fly because a book <laughs> told him that he could if he believed hard enough. Very true. Mm-hmm. And the Lost Boys often have to, like, 
pretend that they're not hungry because there's not enough food. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not hungry. And it's real for him. What would Peter do? Oh, he would just wouldn't be hungry. Yeah. So I guess I'm not hungry. Please, someone find some food. Could someone bring me some milk, please? I just need <laughs> a bunch of milk. So so they're playing like mom and dad to the rest of the Lost Boys. It's it's weird. Like Wendy says to him, Peter, I think Curly has your nose. Michael takes after you. And so they're they're like play acting at this like wedded language. And he says, you see, it would make me seem so old to be their real father. But they are ours, Peter, yours and mine. But not really, Wendy, he asked anxiously. Not if you don't wish it. Peter, what are your exact feelings towards me? Those of a devoted son, Wendy. Ew. Hey, Wendy, let's play at being mom and dad of all these weird lost boys. And we all sleep in a big bed together. And also, you're my mom, too, also. Oh, wait, Wendy, you're my mom. Be my mom, please. I need a mommy, but I don't want a mommy, but I oh. need a mommy. Somebody be my mommy. Somebody be my mommy, the boy who wouldn't grow up, the Peter Pan story. It's, so, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. So, I, I guess I bring this up, A, to point out that it's a little weird, but B, there is a passage where, like, aside from the actual adventures that Peter Pan is going on, where there's, like, the clock in the crocodile that follows hook around and peter pan is like stabbing pirates left and right like the body count in this book is ridiculous he's just <laughs> killing pirates all the time i would not have expected that because i as i mean my memory of the of the movie is that the pirate crew is hook and smee and like that's it uh yeah he totally when they attack hook towards the end of the book uh there's a part where he just straight up murders someone peter struck true and deep John clapped his hands on the ill-fated pirate's mouth to stifle the dying groan. He fell forward. Peter gave the signal, and the carrion was cast overboard. There was a splash and then silence. How long has it taken? One slightly had begun to count. The boys are counting the pirates that he kills like it's the battle from the second Lord of the Rings book. <laughs> like it is, And he's just doing it in front of Wendy, like, hey, be my mother wife. I'm going to murder all these fools for you. <laughs> It's really uncomfortable. Mommy uh, wife, why do the pirates why do the pirates die? Mommy wife, what is death? What is death? Oh wait, I forgot all the things that we just did because I'm Mommy a boy wife, can you explain God to me? Are you God, mommy wife? Mommy wife. All hail mommy wife. I love you, mommy wife. <laughs> <Can't>. <laughs> <laughs> I the, what Mommy Wife leads us into is a discussion of playing pretend. I think that'll that'll probably bring us home. I think we've been going for a little while. Um, we've been going for a while. I wanted I wanted you to, um, yeah, tell me what you're going to tell me, and then I have like one big question, and then we can go back. Okay. To uh, not podcasting. I to guess. not pot to our normal lives right. off of Neverland. Yeah. Uh, I feel like. The, the mommy wife thing is a result of this other form of pretend. Because, like, there's a lot of pretend that's going on on the island. It's, it's really unclear at times what is actually happening and what is, like, make-believe. But there's this, quote-unquote, adventure that is the, not, the, like, pretend that is not adventurous. It's the pretend that is sitting around and playing house. Mm-hmm. 
And that is certainly a thing that kids engage in. Yeah, and I think so. Like pretending to be grown-ups, whatever your interpretation of being a grown-up is. Yeah, and pretending that if you have like five or six kids together all at once, like, oh, you're the teacher and we're all the students. Or if you're young enough, like, you're the human and we're the nanny dogs who like hang out in the basement mm-hmm. uh, and take care of your kids who are the other like young kids that we're hanging out with. Like that type of playing pretend is so normal in in a way like it's certainly something a kid should engage in because it allows them to like test out ideas it's not like out of the ordinary for kids to act that way no at all yeah it's this is just taken to a a bizarre fanciful extreme uh but i did kind of want to like ask you what if any pretend you played as a kid because i'm in a business where we play pretend all the time let's be honest that's like how you make all your money all of my money my copious money uh, and I played lots of pretend as a kid, and I could ramble on about it for hours, but I wanted to know if you have any fond memories of it, or even like an imaginary friend or something. I mean, I think most people pretended at some point. I think the, the one that comes to mind, just like since you asked me, was um, if I was ever wearing like a long sleeve shirt, mm-hmm. I would like put my hand inside my sleeve, and I would just be Mega Man. Yes! And like the, the hole yes! in the sleeve would be... Uh-huh. The arm gun? Yes, correct. That is <laughs> correct. correct. That's the correct form of pretend. Uh-huh, is being I won Mega Man. the prize. Yeah, what about I think... you? I don't know. What do you pretend? Besides that, whatever that trash can fighting game that was. That was, was that, pretend. No, that was, too, that was all too real. That was way too real. That was just hitting <laughs> each other with trash cans. Uh, I As a kid growing up in the 90s, we certainly played a lot of pretend that was riffs on video games right, and other yeah. like... Cause that was a thing that you could like. I'm a. I'm fighting. I'm. I have a stick. That's a sword and a spear. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had like a fake arcade that we were in, which was weird because it was like simultaneously. It was simultaneous pretend where like you would say you Andrew are gonna play Mega Man. Okay. And I'm over here playing Mario, or I'm over here playing this other game that I made up, and we're all doing it on the same playground. But we're not, like, in each other's games, if that makes sense. Huh. That sounds weird. I, I would think that the, the like, proto Smash Brothers thing would be oh. more common, where you'd be like, what would happen if Mario and Mega Man got in a fight, and who would win? What's, Let's find out. That would be good. Then we'd probably just hit each other with trash cans. I think oh, what worked about that is I that I wish I knew what episode you explained <laughs> this trash can game in all its glory. Don't know. To everyone was. I guess you should go back through the back catalog oh, and figure out what the story was. What if someone out there has been transcribing all of our shows and there's a searchable database of the nonsense that we've said? Definitely, definitely do not tell me about it. Okay, great. <laughs> I feel like what the what our my weird arcade pretend allowed us to do is like we could play pretend without having to agree on rules, which is what like generally ruins any like session of playing pretend it's got to be calvin ball like full-on calvin yeah ball. yeah or get like you got to yes and everybody as soon as somebody tries to police all the pretend <sighs> you've made it too real thanks for being the dad <laughs> sorry mommy wife <laughs> <laughs> all right so we talked about the problematic kind of stuff um a lot of what we've talked about I actually ended up in the movie, which I was kind of surprised by. Okay. Like the the clock and the alligator and Tinkerbell and all that stuff. Was there any anecdote in here 
that you don't remember like clearly from the movie that you really liked or really disliked? Hmm. Or does it stick pretty close to what is what you remember of the Disney movie? I don't remember much to be perfectly honest, which okay. probably helps me. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like so like the the Tinkerbell coming back to life thing is actually handled really interestingly in the novel. Cuz my the my familiarity with that moment is like the stage play where Peter Pan turns to the audience, usually played by a smaller adult woman in yeah, centuries the, of like tradition. The classic Mary Martin, Peter Pan tradition. Which, I, which yeah. I think probably undercuts some of the weirdness of the gender stuff, like the like forced or motherhood. Makes it more weird. Or at least less of the 19 aughts, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's handled really interestingly in the book because I'm used to Peter Pan turning directly to the audience and like asking everybody to clap. Uh, in the book, like Peter Pan just speaks to anyone who might be hearing this story or might ever have heard of a fairy and just hopes for the best. Mm-hmm. And then clearly it works and Tinkerbell's fine. And this is after she's like drank poison for him. I don't remember how that's handled in the movie. Yeah, I don't but, remember either. I guess you could probably just pretend that the poison wasn't poison, right? And then it's not poison anymore? Uh, <laughs> it, by the other logic could, in the book, yes. If you can pretend yourself into not being hungry, <laughs> surely you can pretend your way out of some poison. That's true. Uh, the other thing that I did not remember or did not realize about the story is... Peter Pan not growing up also means that he has to, like, not remember what's happened to him. So when he arrives later in the book and Wendy has grown up and she's had a daughter of her own named Jane and she and Peter Pan's talking to her and Wendy's like, well, don't you remember that time that you, like, fought Captain Hook and all that stuff happened? And he has a moment where he's like, who's Captain Hook again? What? What was that about? So there's this element that he has to perpetually forget or else he would actually grow up, right? He has to learn. Yeah, learning from past experiences is for adults. Yeah, and it reminded me of some of the moments. It made me, I just made a note where it's like, oh, he's just Doctor Who. Like he mm-hmm. just reincarnates and someone has to go like, but we're, remember all our adventures in space time? I mean, Doctor's, I think it would probably be more accurate to say that Doctor Who is like Peter Pan. Well, I mean, Doctor Who can travel through time, so maybe Peter Pan's based on Doctor Who. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> that's yeah, all I have I no, I have no follow up. Like that's <laughs> that holds water. Uh, and then the other thing I didn't I didn't really realize is there's like an element of Captain Hook where you get a chapter or two with him before the big battle, where it alludes to his past, and they don't really. Who are these pirates and where do they come from? Yeah, where'd Captain Hook come from? Why is he a grown-up pirate? They don't really explain it. They talk a lot about inside his head about how he's concerned with like looking good and doing things in good form. Right. Is that a thing that you remember at all? Like in my life or in the movie? Or no, what? like, like in- about your any portrayal of Captain Hook. Like there's I mean, in, in the movie, I don't think you get anything from Captain Hook's perspective. perspective at all. He's just like a hapless villain character. 
No, I mean, he does do some dumb, like, villain monologuing where he, like, plans to kill Peter Pan yeah, by poison and like, walks away. Yeah, but it's all, like, it's all just rubbing your hands together and cackling. I, guess, I mean, probably he wouldn't rub his hands together because one of his <laughs> hands is a hook. But you you know what I mean. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, he's just... He went to some sort of finishing school that instilled in him this sense of, like, being proper and and being doing have you been good form today was their eternal question which is like this odd unattainable goal for him Mm -hmm. that i think drives him to a life of piracy and torrenting things and stealing people (laughs) and hunting mermaids or whatever uh and that's not a thing that i ever knew about the book there's like an honor system that even though Peter Pan is like a cocky man boy who won't grow up and kidnaps girls to be his mommy wives, he at least is honorable. He wants to fight Hook on Hook's terms. He mm-hmm. he will trick him to save his own skin, but when push comes to shove, he wants to fight Hook man to man. Sure. Uh, or man to boy. Yeah, man, one-armed man to boy man. Mm-hmm. Little man boy. Little man boy. Uh, that's Peter Pan. Did you, I mean, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Cause we, I think we spent an undue, well, not undue, it was probably due, but we spent, we spent a good amount of time on the, like the old timey racist stuff. As we are wont to do. Yes, yeah. Yes. But did you like, did you actually have fun reading it? Was it like, yeah, it, hold up? it, I save that stuff. If you take out the tiger lily stuff, it's funny in the middle of the book when the narrator is like, what if we told this story? or What if we told this story? I kind of wish that the narrator just picked a less problematic story. <laughs> Cause <laughs> can you cause, tell one where people aren't like wicked racist? Would yeah. that be too much to ask narrator? I think I dug it. I certainly feel like it would appeal. I would love to read this book or the parts of the book that I like anyway to a kid if that makes sense yeah i would love to share this story with with a kid rather than just read it myself because i i feel like there's a lot of humor and odd wit that comes just in how the prose is structured that begs for an audience Right, Perhaps. and I'm sure that you would have like many, many nights of of conversation with a terrified child who was worried that when he went to sleep, you're going to come in and dig through his brain <laughs> and rearrange all of his thoughts. That's also true. It's just I did not know that J. M. Barry was perhaps as funny as he is. Um, at one point, just before the whole like drugging his dog scenario, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Darling is taking responsibility for something that went bad and he goes no no i am responsible for it all i george darling did it mea culpa mea culpa and then jam barry just writes he had had a classical education Jeez. <laughs> all right that's just good. like that's good for the, you buddy the subtle digs there's like subtle digs around smee and how the kids love him instead of captain hook i, I feel like that stuff would really play to a to a younger audience so i liked it i felt a little confused by the rules of the world which after because you can just pretend anything into anything it sounds like well and except for poison except for poison don't kids don't pretend about poison don't pretend about poison and flying is what i learned (laughs) also a kid totally shoots wendy with an arrow that was super real i don't remember that part Uh, is she okay did she just pretend that she didn't get hit by an arrow no it hit an acorn that 
Peter Pan had given her and she didn't die. It's this book, man. It plays fast and loose with reality. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Peter Pan. Have your mom sort out your nightmares later. Have your mommy wife go through your brain (laughs) and dig out your nightmares. Thanks, mommy wife. If there's a favorite part of Peter Pan that I didn't talk about on this week's show, you should probably write in and email us at overduepod at gmail.com. You could also send your, like, favorite Peter Pan catastrophe videos to us at facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. I want to thank a bunch of people who use social media to reach out this week, including... Uh, Mary, Ms. W.T., Bunbury, Bookmans, Sean, Katie, Maria, Catherine, Emmett, Rachel, uh, Tessa, Monica. Special shout out to Sophie of Two Bossy Dames, who was on our guest episode last week. Uh, it was a really good episode, actually. I was listening to it today. Um, I hope that anybody who didn't check it out because it dropped on a Friday goes back and listens to it. We had a good time. Mm-hmm. Andrew, if people want to find out what the heck I mean by bonus episode or want to otherwise find out more about the show, what should they do? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is your internet source for all things Overdue. Um, We've Mm -hmm. got links to our (laughs) iTunes, Stitcher, and RSS feeds, which you can use to subscribe to the show. Um, If you subscribe on iTunes, do rate and review us. We keep getting those at a pretty good clip, and it makes us feel better, and it makes us rise up in the iTunes rankings and helps other people find the show. Um, you can also find links to our Patreon project, which is why we do bonus episodes in the first place. Um, it's thanks to the support of generous listeners um, that like that. That's how we keep doing this show. We just we pay for books, we pay for mics. It's very good for everybody involved. Um, we have links to Headgum, our podcast network, and to Spreaker, our podcast host. And uh, yeah, you should go check them out and. I don't know, partake of their goods and services. Yeah, that seems wise. If you're <laughs> recommending the show to someone, which is something you can do if you've already done all the other stuff that we asked you to do, uh, there's a link on our website to like recommended new listener episodes. So go check that out, pass it along, spread the word. Yeah, we updated that like a month or two ago after we passed um, Fifty Shades Freed. So, oh god. So if you have recommended that page to people ever there are some more recent episodes up there now too oh and keep sending in emails about gross out books they're giving me nightmares Ugh, and it's, just and it's amazing Ugh, um, i've read a thing about fish hook teeth today that i can't uh, shake uh, andrew uh, meanwhile what are you reading for next week i'm reading when women were birds colon 54 variations on voice by terry tempest williams this is a book recommended by one of our patrons and um, I'm going to withhold judgment until I finish it. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next Monday. And until then, try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast. Clap.
boom, clap, sound of a heartbeat. Boom, 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 pop songs. Boom, 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 you good? You done? Yeah, I'm good. I got it out of my system. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about, though? I don't know. I don't... You don't feel like it. You don't feel it. You're I not don't... feeling it this week. You're a you're a sleepy boy. I'm not a sleepy boy. I'm a hangover boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't... Do you need I mean, me I to elaborate? I guess I'm a little sleepy. Wait, what? What? Hmm? Hmm? 